BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of Friend of a Friend is brought to you by the House of Chanel. Chanel introduces a new generation of sustainably developed skincare infused with a high concentration of ingredients and derived from the uniquely revitalizing winter-blooming red camellia flower. Packaged with lightweight glass, organic ink, and other bio-based materials, Numero 1 de Chanel forges an unprecedented path of skincare innovation. Numero 1 de Chanel, beauty ahead of time. To learn more about the line, visit chanel.com. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we're joined by Diana Silvers, who is maybe one of the coolest people that I've ever met. I have no idea if she knows that, though. She's incredibly laid back, but so engaging. I could have this conversation with her for hours. There was zero sense of time. She's also incredibly smart and creative and can wax poetic about Joan Didion for hours. She's an actress, model, and photographer who you've seen in Booksmart, Birds of Paradise, Ma, and Space Force, and recently on the cover of Harper's Bazaar, labeled as Hollywood's New Darling. In this episode, Diana shares her acting process and how tragedy actually brought her to one of her first roles. We also talk about Space Force season two, some of our favorite shows on TV, growing up in LA, and so much more. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing week ahead, everyone. Here's my friend, Diana Silvers. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too. Thanks for having me. Of course. I, it was so much fun interviewing you live on Amazon Primes for Birds of Paradise. Yes. I loved Birds of Paradise too. Really? I was a, yeah, I was a wow. dancer growing up. Oh my god. You seem gosh. surprised. I mean. <laughs> I was a dancer I'm growing up. I'm surprised when anyone likes literally anything I'm in because I'm... I don't, it's an insecurity thing, maybe. Probably. I have a hard time believing you're an insecure person. I think everyone is. Isn't that, Makes you know? sense. I mean, if to, to not be somewhat insecure about the stuff you put out, I don't know. I think that would make me like an egomaniac and I'm not that. So, therefore. <laughs> I love the self-awareness. I also think, yeah, I think about that. Or like a sociopath. And I'm not that either. So. <laughs> Good. Glad we, glad, very glad that we checked that box. Yeah, I think about that often. Like the fact that you're probably in this like bubble for a second filming a movie and, you know, you're doing the takes one after another. You don't really know what take is going to be the one in the movie. And then you watch it back and yeah, what a weird feeling. I think the thing I'm learning as an actor or a film, you know, perform whatever you want to call it, this thing that I do is all I can control and not even in a way because I still am at the mercy of you know, my castmates and the director, 
But really, the second I leave set, whatever happens after that is totally out of my control. Right. Unless I, of course, start, ex- you know, producing or executive producing my own stuff, which that, I feel like that's kind of far away. Maybe it's not. I don't know. In the but cards? I think so. I, I definitely want to direct and like I write already. So I definitely, right. you know, hopefully knock on wood, I'll have a really nice long career where I can explore many different avenues. But right now, as being just an actor, the second I leave set, I it's that's it for me. And I'm really learning to just let go of whatever happens next because it's it's not my decision and it's not my mark, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, and it really is like it's up to the director and the editor and like the studio, you know, what movie they want to make after that. And sometimes it's a completely different film than what you went in thinking it was going to be. And sometimes it's exactly what you thought it would be. And you can't really be emotionally attached or invested in either one of those things because like for me, it's like I already did my part on set. And the second we did, we wrapped, then after that, I have to just let it go, you know? Totally. I would have such a hard time with that because I feel like you get so emotionally invested yeah. like in that bubble, but yeah. it's almost probably a, a very strong sense of boundary that you have to put up yeah. and just be like, I did my part in this and mm-hmm. okay, yes, this might live on forever on screen in some way, but this is my iteration of whatever it was that I was chosen to do. Exactly. I think with films and my job as an actor, there's three lives that it takes, which is like filming and there's post-production and then how the world receives it, I guess. Right. And again, it's like I have no control over the last two. So just got to let it go, you know? Yep. Relinquish the control. Exactly. Not something I'm good at. It's a lot. Of, and that's like even being an actor is a lot of just re- relieving, not relieving, but um, yeah, relinquish. That's a great word. Relinquishing control because I'm also at the mercy of my, my director. And I, you just, it's a lot of just saying yes, yes. And I mean, that's the, one of the first rules of like improv and acting in, you know, acting class and acting school. It's, you just have to say yes, unless you feel of course, like unsafe or, you know, threatened, but it's usually to just say yes and play and be present. And then after that, it's just out of your hands. That's the one thing I've always really admired most about actors is that you really do have to throw yourself so deeply into yeah. it. I was in acting class for a little while and I love it so much. Just it's, it's a creative outlet for me. It's mm-hmm. something that is so different than what I have to do. The confidence aspect of it really plays a role in all of this. So it's always been super helpful, but I just loved being able to go in cl- into class and like be someone different and mm-hmm. have so much fun and explore that side of myself. And one day I was tasked with a role that was like pretty loud and I was very upset and I was screaming and my teacher kind of had me go up on stage and just to like embody it in a deeper way. I had to on the spot kind of become these different angrier versions of myself. And I think usual me would have like totally closed up and been like, oh my God, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this or I'm feeling really insecure. But in that moment, I was like, this actually is the challenge. Like, how do you yeah. just say yes and not be insecure and be and be the person that they're asking? It's about? It can be so freeing. It and really it, was. Like, it was such, I'm, I have like a lot of energy talking about it now because it was just this like really crazy experience for me. I think that's something I miss the most about acting, not school per se, but theater camp. Because I, I wasn't, I, there are things I liked about acting school, but ultimately I dropped out of acting school because I didn't really like it. I actually really wanted to stay in school. My, I was, desperately trying to switch out of Tisch into Gallatin because I wanted to, because I wanted to stay in school and do independent study and build this major kind of centered around history and film. History, not history of film, but history, comma, and film. <laughs> NYU 
rejected me from Gallatin twice. And then my house burned down. And I was like, well, I'm going to go home. So much done. And then I got Ma. And then I was like, I guess I'm not going back to, I was going to go back to school and then Booksmart. And then I was going to go back to school and then Space Force. So, and then the pandemic. So I guess I'm, as of now, I, uh, I, I remember it was in like late or mid 2019, mid to late 2019, my counselor emailed me asking me if I was going to be returning to NYU. And I finally told her that I wouldn't, I don't think it's in the cards. I yeah, do not life think had other I will plans. Be, you can get rid, you can cancel out my NYU email. <laughs> <laughs> They'll cancel it anyways the day you graduate. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a, uh, quite a lot of life shifts. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I don't know. I feel like I was talking to my friend about this yesterday. There's certain events that happen in your life and you just, there's no time to process. You just kind of keep going. And then in these moments of pause, like a pandemic, right? you finally have time. All of the life stuff catches up and you have all this time to process and work through things. I was really sorry to learn about your house burning down. Oh, okay. that, that's, a, that's a tough one. I grew up in Malibu and yeah. I, even just separately witnessing that, my family wasn't affected. But knowing so many people who were really impacted by that was kind of grief I don't think I've ever known. Yeah, it's it's grief takes on so many different forms. And that didn't really hit me until the end of last year and the beginning of this year. I I read The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion, and she's one of my favorite authors and journalists. And for the longest time, every time I pick up that book, I would think, well, I can't relate to this. And, you know, no one in my life that close to me has has passed. So I can't relate to grief. And for whatever reason, I picked it up at the end of last year, like right before New Year's. And I was like, wow, I actually this there's I have experienced grief in many different forms. And there's even like, you know, the small grief of landing a really major project, but not being able to do it because of like other because of contractual obligations for other things. I mean, grieving career moments, grieving your house burning down, grieving a relationship. Like there's so many different forms of grief. And it's like, I feel like as, I mean, for me personally, I'm so hard on myself and I never really give myself the space to like exist as Diana and feel as Diana. And I'm, I think that's also why I love acting so much. Cause I'm like, ah, I'm afraid of say, myself. A... So it's fun to be other people. Right. But the pandemic was like, no, you just have to be you right. and experience it and feel it and work through it and, you know, actually come to terms with and let things go as you and not run away and become someone else because like it's not sustainable, you know. So it's it's like slowly but surely coming to terms with these things that have affected me on on a much deeper on like below the surface level, if that makes sense. It does. I I wonder, I feel like a lot of people during COVID returned to this idea of home. And I'm sure that you have, you know, your adult home as we all do, which feels so weird sometimes. But the idea of loss of your childhood home, where I'm sure so many memories were. Yeah. And also like coupled with this time where you had to like be alone with yourself and kind of come to terms with yourself. I wonder how those two work together for you during that time, if anything about yourself came to light in kind of like finding this almost feels like a new sense of self. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that my mom. So we thought we had, my mom had all of the like family baby photos. Thank, thank, thank goodness. God. Yeah. And but we thought that all the home videos were gone, too. So during the pandemic, she made all of the kids, there's six of us, she made all six children. My mom is 
my mom is my hero. I'm she, one of five, so I, yeah, I you get it. We, we are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> I know, I know. I, so my mom made us all of made us these photo albums, which is really sweet, which was great. So now I have this awesome photo album of childhood. But she also found like one of she found the VHS camera, VCR, whatever. And there was a there were a couple tapes still with it. So we had a couple hours worth of like home videos from when I was because of course I'm the center of my own universe <laughs> from when I was six and seven. Okay. Or I guess six, seven and eight. It was like a three year period in like the mid early 2000s. And watching my six year old self like in my childhood home and like at the at the at the park we would go to and stuff was such a, a it sounds crazy, but like healing experience because now I have this theory that we are the most ourselves when we're six because it's like our personalities are pretty much they're forming, you know, and it's before we go to school and everyone basically tells us we're wrong right, for being who we are or, or that who we are is like needs to be corrected or shaped into what society wants, especially with girls, what society wants girls to be. And it was really cool and freeing to watch my six-year-old self because I feel like especially with acting, we're always trying to be in touch with our inner child, the, the person that is right. like unabashedly themselves and free and willing to just explore and take risks and always saying yes, you know, and like has no fear. So that was really special. And whenever I'm feeling like a little weird, I just like watch these home videos and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like it's these traits are good things and shouldn't be suppressed, but should be celebrated, you know? I am so inspired hearing that because I have never watched my childhood home videos and I always like found it a weird practice, but I see my friends kind of doing it with their families all the time. But now I feel like I really want to watch mine to understand, like, because yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. I always just found it, I, I it was never something that I was like compelled to do. Same. I wasn't, right. I didn't, it didn't, I wasn't like, hey, mom, where are it. those? But it, she sent them to us in the family group chat and I was like, oh my God, I have to watch yeah. these all. And it was, it was just so funny to see my six-year-old self just like so me, if that makes sense. Totally. You have a website of your photography, mm -hmm. which I love. And I think Thank you. it's just, it's really powerful. And you did a journal covered with photos of your time visiting where your old family home was. You know, it's funny. It wasn't, so basically my, I grew up in Brentwood Park in this really old house that the comedian Joey Brown from Some Like It Hot actually built in the 20s. Whoa. And the house was never renovated or anything. Our kitchen was straight out of like, I think the last time the house was renovated was probably 1970 something. Okay. It was like horrible yellow linoleum kitchen floor that was like always like always dirty. No wow. matter how much my mom cleaned it, it was just dirty. And like I'd luxury- I'd assume so with six kids. Yeah. And luxury kitchen appliances if it was 1972. Right. You know, which was great. I think that's also very much shaped my aesthetic <laughs> and my taste. But that was the house I grew up in. And then my parents sold it when I was a freshman in college and separated. And my dad moved to Ojai. My mom stayed in, Got it. in in LA with my sister was finishing high school. And but all of your all of our things stuff were went there. to okay. my dad's house. So it was weird because the people who bought the, my childhood home tore it down. So it's like we lost two yeah. kind of family homes these things that represented family and childhood and over the course of like a year. And it was like mind blowing. I was thinking so deeply yeah. about your journal entries yeah. um, on your website about they were so about much the about. Yeah. yeah, there were so much about just this loss of material items and how much emphasis we put on them. Yeah. And it really made me begin to think about you as an actress and mm. how much 
you know, I think that when you embody a role, you're probably pulling on memories or things in some capacity. And I wonder if that impacted it in any way, just that that sense of loss. I think as an actor, I think I do a pretty good job, honestly, at like compartmentalizing my life and my trauma and my family and like all that stuff from the character because I'm never playing myself. And I, I think people sometimes get not confused, but they're like, oh, because it's hard to imagine that you'd have to like create this entire other life for another person. But that's like the fun part about it is that you get to, you get to, and if you're playing a real person, then, you know, you are exploring another person's life. But when it's like, you get to create this like rich backstory and you get to decide what sense trigger them and what memories trigger them and, you know, what their triggers are that have nothing to do with you. And that's like why that was always the appeal of like storytelling is that you get to go into this make-believe world and just like not play God, but just, I don't know, play. You get to just play and create. And I, I mean, I think there's been moments where like to, if I'm in a really emotional scene or something, I'll like be like, okay, the feeling is like, maybe we can compare it to something that I have experienced, but I always find that to be like more difficult because I, then I get afraid because I don't actually want to be playing my, I don't want to bring me to it. You know what I mean? I don't want to actually bring like Diana and her bag, bag of trauma into these other people because we're, we're different. We're not from the same cloth. Yeah. We have the same face. You know what I mean? But like, but even still, sometimes I feel like when I watch Space Force, when I watch and I watched Birds of Paradise, I was like, that's not me. It was very easy to separate myself from the character because I'm like, we are nothing alike. Yeah, strong sense of self-awareness. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, well, no, I mean, I can't relate. I haven't had, had a role like that, yeah. but I, I can't, I can imagine that it's very easy to kind of yeah. dive head in first. Yeah, and I've, I've always, I remember I, this, I was going to do this film, it never happened, but the director wanted me to like work with this acting coach and she really wanted me to be vulnerable about my stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to bring me and and my personal history into this character because then I just then then let's make the documentary on on Diana Silvers. You know what I mean? Like I totally understand what you're saying, where it's like you don't want to bring your traumas into this room, like because it's also distracting. It is. And I found that to because there was a fine line of like personal and character stuff in Birds of Paradise. And it was like, once that line was crossed, my trust was gone. And that was really hard to like recover from on set because I was like, I no longer feel, I feel like too, I feel like all of a sudden, you know, Kate and Diana are supposed to be one person. And, and, I, and I, I don't know how I feel about that, you know? Right. And that was a good, really good learning um, experience because I was like, okay, now I'm learning where the line is, you know, because you have to kind of figure that out. And there was, there was one audition that I went like full <laughs> method on and it was, I don't, I feel fine talking about it because it's not like the movie came out so long ago. But I, when I, I went out for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I really threw myself into like the world of that whole thing. And this, are you like talking about the, the cult world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the, okay. the whole cult, the cult world. And it was like a fun process and it was like a fun again, like learning experience of like, oh, you, you could, you're capable of, of yeah. like, of doing that. And no, I didn't like go and murder anyone. <laughs> but it was like, I, you know, researched the, the, uh, the way they, I didn't have my phone for like a full, it was like 
you know, two weeks, I didn't really talk to anyone. And I, oh, fascinating. Yeah. And like, like, I like was, you know, vegetarian and wow, so you went weird. Full nine yeah, yards. I didn't talk to my, you know, family and friends and stuff. It was cool. It was a really cool process. And I went to the, you know, ranch, just kind of trying to like imagine what it was like to be someone in that world. I was relieved to go back to just being me after, but it was a good exercise because it was like, oh, you can create memories and sensory images and stuff like that. Yeah yourself as an actor you don't actually have to like pull from your own stuff and you don't also you also don't have to like I don't know I was like researching the psychology and all that stuff rather than being like oh I'm gonna drop acid and see what it's like you know what I mean I was like no I can just research and imagine and play and And try to embody what you're yeah you know right it's like I didn't get it. So maybe I'm like, maybe I should have dropped acid. <laughs> Kidding. Never, ever, ever going to do that. But, you know, it's like there's so many things you can do to get creative, to like put yourself into a different world or someone else's shoes. And I think like the human experience as me informs like characters because the more I experience, the more empathy I have and like the more a bigger understanding I have of like the world and other people's experiences, if right. that makes sense. Because I'm just like, at the end of the day, we're just vessels for other people's experiences right you know and that's why I have to go into it very neutral and not like with all of this other stuff from my own life you know honestly even though I know it probably didn't turn out the way you wanted it to phenomenal learning experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that I always find that it's those moments where maybe the outcome isn't what I wanted where I actually feel like I'm learning more about myself and my skill and how I can improve it's not just about these moments where it's like okay I did the thing right I checked the box it's like where did I fuck up a little bit or maybe I not fail- get it? Yeah. Quote unquote failure is right. where we learn. Right. And, and there's the only true failure, I think, is if you have an experience and you don't learn anything from it. Like even if I were, let's say, this is a good example. I, I was a competitive tennis player growing up. Even if I win a match, if I, you know, if I play it, if I win a tennis match and come out of it thinking that I did everything perfectly and there's nowhere else to, to move into the next round, then... I failed. You know what I mean? Because there's no such thing as like a perfect match. There's no such thing as a perfect performance or a perfect audition or a perfect anything. Like we're all, there's always room and margin for error and growth, you know? Tennis, photography, modeling, acting. <laughs> like, have you always been this person that juggles a thousand things? Yeah, that's definitely my yeah. dad. My dad really ah. wanted us to be, quote, well-rounded in his dance. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very, um, a lot of pressure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's like a Jewish thing. Just like you got to have things to do in case things (laughs) turn to shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) it's a little bit of paranoia. Yeah, a little bit. I've always thought a little healthy dose of paranoia is like a really good recipe for success. You have to like always kind of be on your toes a little bit and always think of like what that next move is. What's the backup in case plan A doesn't work? What's the backup? What's plan B? Yeah, super crazy. I loved learning that you had such an interesting moment when you actually did come back for the fire that... Mm. You got your audition for Ma. That yeah, wouldn't have happened. Back. It was my 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 uh, chemistry read with Octavia. And that wouldn't have happened if you weren't home. No, I probably wouldn't be able to make it because I was getting ready to gear up for finals, and I was really studying for my World of Medieval Magic final. Yeah, that was a real class at NYU, and I took it. <laughs> I mean, I, my class, the classes I took at NYU, I can't even. You know, I got to say to you, like I went to Gallatin. If you yeah. thought that was a weird class. That was a Gallatin class. Yeah, exactly. I think. Yeah. It, by the way, most likely was. It's very, very. It was, an, it was an anthropology class and I thought it was a history class. It gets weird over there. And that's when I, it, I learned that 
the way anthropology classes are taught are very different from history classes. And I was lost the whole time because it was by subject, not in chronological order. It was like each subject right. within. Okay. So the entire time I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm a very cause and effect narrative thinker. So going, jumping around on a timeline, I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I definitely would have just failed that class with or without taking the final. <laughs> Crazy you're saying that because if there's one thing, I think, I obviously think about acting all the time. I'm very fascinated by just the art in and of itself. And mm -hmm. I have deep admiration for actors. Something that throws me is when I hear, because I'm the same way, I'm very chronological. When I hear, when you're on set, when you're like, oh, we're filming like the finale scene first. And I'm just like, I have to like I catch my I breath. Am, I'm like, I want to do how? theater so bad. Yeah. How do you like? I love film. I love film. But course. I also like very much look forward to the day where I get to do a play. <laughs> it's so hard. Like, I can't imagine what it's like, you know, okay, give us the example. Like you get a script, you're preparing for a character. Like it's so what's much that process like. Oh man, I should have brought in my birds of pair or even my space force script i'm such a nerd i remember when i was doing ma the the boys on ma totally made fun of me for being such a nerd because i had post-it notes and writing and like and bookmark i mean dog ears just trying to organize the the timeline so that when i when we jump around on set i always know what happened before we entered that scene i'm like where am i on the emotional map of this of this story and this character because i just like I, I don't know. It's like, I think that's also the the, the theater person in me because I, you know, grew up doing theater. You, you have, with theater, you're memorized. The whole thing is memorized. And right. you, your whole, everything is, yeah, it's easy. like a muscle by the time you get to set. And the cool thing about film is that you get to explore different, like, it's, I guess it depends on the director actually. But I don't know. They're just so different. I don't even know how to compare the two. They're so different and they're both so special. And theater is really special because you do are always going chronological order on the day. But I don't know. They're just different muscles, you know? Yeah. It's like working a different muscle in your brain. But I'm definitely a nerd and there's a lot of writing and markups and highlighting and post-its and also stickers. I like I like to give myself a gold star every now and then. That's really cute. But John Malkovich is like that too. His script, he's really, really good at organizing his his script and all of that, which and same with Steve. I mean, that's the thing. I look at the people around me that I really admire and I'm like, cool, I'm kind of doing what they do, which makes me feel like I'm doing something right. She just like <laughs> casually drops a Steve Carell, John Malkovich <laughs> like reference being like, hey, yeah, like I see them do it. So I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Well, it was, it was funny. I already was doing it and it was like, oh, I'm not, I, I'm not like a dorky nerd for doing this. Like they do it too. And they've been doing this for such a long time and they still yeah. are so organized and on top of it and like making sure, you know, it's just, I'm like, all right, they like, keep doing this and you're, you're doing the right thing. You know, I mean, every, everyone's different, but it was like, Cool, they're nerds too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get to work with some legends. Yeah. Like legends. Even Octavia Spencer. Like I learned that on when she met you for her chemistry read, she was like, This is my girl. Yeah. And set you up with her agent. Yeah, she did. She wow. is really like she's like my fairy godmother. It's really cool too because I remember when I went to the L Women in Hollywood event, I sent her a message after just like, Hey, thank you so much for actually practicing what you preach and advocating for like the new girl in the room. You know, like she yeah. really, really helped me and believed in me and pushed for me. And I just, I, she's such a special person. And I feel like it, it, she's just so genuine and authentic. And she knows what it's like to be on the other side of that. And she's in this position where she can help others. And she actually does, you know, and like genuinely wants to see like a younger crop of actors come up and do cool things, you know? I, yeah, and I, I don't find that true for a lot of industries. I think a lot of people feel threatened by the new person in yeah. the room. Yeah. She's that's... really special, and she's so 
talented. Like she is so yeah. talented and so much fun to work with too. Oh, I'm jealous. I, I have loved her for There's a long like time. There's like this like myth that you, in order to be like a good actor, you'd be like a dick on set. And I just, I don't believe in that at all. Like you can have fun while making serious movies. <laughs> my favorite thing, maybe up there in my top three favorite things ever said on the show was when Molly Gordon came on the show and she said that Olivia Wilde had the rule for Booksmart that you can only bring one asshole on set. Mm-hmm. And I was just dying when Molly. she said that. I love She's Molly so too. so talented. It was so fun interviewing her when Booksmart came out. But when she said that, I was mm. like, that's really true. Like you can show up to set and, you know, not bring the weight of maybe whatever the subject matter is that you're dealing yeah. with. Like it can, yeah, it can and, and should be this fun experience. Yeah. And of course there's always like those dramatic scenes and you have to do the right. prep and, but it's like, you don't have to be mean about how you do the prep. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's so funny hearing you talk about Booksmart and talk about Ma and Space Force. You've had really different roles. Yeah. Which is so I'm fun. especially really lucky to be for, able to do that. Yeah. Especially for being young. I do feel like it's so easy when you're younger to get typecasted really quickly. Yeah. To get pigeonholed. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is me again, personally talking, but just doing <laughs> all these different roles would be such like an interesting window into like learning more about myself. Yeah, I haven't ever, I've never thought about it that way, which is weird. It's more of just, I think I have a curiosity about the human experience. And there's like, I have a hunger to know more about the human experience. And that's right. what's great about playing different people and working on in different genres, I suppose, is learning. I just get to learn more and play more and dig deeper and, you know, find new things, find out new things about humanity, I guess. Because I'm also, you know, I'm a history nerd. I was a history major. So it was after I left the acting program, I pivoted into trying to study history, minoring in film. I was still at Tisch, but I was like only taking history classes and film classes until eventually they were like, are you going to go back to studio? And I was like, no, I'm just going to leave school. I don't mean this like offensively or anything, but I don't have not met a lot of people that are fascinated by history. Really? Yeah, I haven't. You know I don't who's think... also, who is a history major? Steve oh. Crow. You wanted over that, yeah. And history. you're a big Office fan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of... You just get along. You, you know? just get along. <laughs> like, but I a lot love, of synergy there. I love history. It, it's, I mean, filmmaking and storytelling. History is a form of storytelling. Yeah. When you really think about it. Yes. And people have been storytelling and, and you know, history is on the walls of ancient caves and it's storytelling, but it also like shows the history of humanity and people. So that's what I think, that's why I also love filmmaking and because it's all of these things that I, all of these interests I have combined into one thing. And yeah, so that's what's great about playing, exploring different things. And I, I also, I, I really do feel like I've barely even scratched the surface of one, what I'm interested in and two, what I'm capable of, if that makes sense. Like as an actor, as a person, as a, you know, hopefully film, you know, film, filmmaker one day type thing. Space Force 2 is coming out soon. Yes. This is your first like series regular role. Yeah, I guess. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I always think about like the idea of doing a show must be obviously a huge challenge, but so much fun because you spend so much time with this character. You get to like yeah. really learn them. I feel like differently than just like being on set for X amount of time filming a movie and then like wiping your hands clean. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's like, there's more room to grow with the character, um, especially I guess with Erin, because she's, you know, in, in that age where things are changing at a more rapid pace than they change when you're a bit more settled into yourself as you, you know, as you get older and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Erin's an interesting character. She's, 
she's just a funny character to play. And very, I think season two, she kind of starts to, as people will see, she starts to kind of, and she has more agency over herself and she's kind of figuring, finding her place in the world in a nice way. We filmed from April, May, June, April, May, June of 2021 in Vancouver, which was really actually fun. And I had a really good time. And because we were on location and we were in this weird little bubble of just us cast, we spent a lot of time together. And I think it really helped the show because we felt so comfortable with one another to play and have fun. And our director, Ken Quapis, who did all of season two, there was just, we had this consistent person kind of guiding us through everything. And, and he's like just such a master full director on set. And he's such, he's so calm and he just knows what he's doing and he, and you feel very safe. It was just a much, it, it was a really, it was a, it was a very fulfilling experience season two. And I, I hope it is reflected in, in the actual show. I mean, I think it's reflected in the, in the actual, show. I've seen it, but I'm hoping other people will also see that. Is it hard not knowing your character's arc? Yes. Like where Aaron, she could go. Aaron, this was cool because this season we had like there was a little writer's room at the very beginning of the pandemic. And I was invited in to kind of talk about stuff with Greg and Steve and Greg Daniels, our showrunner and the creator of our show, co-creator. They were doing a little writer's room. It was, you know, Greg, Steve, Jimmy O. Yang, and I think Brent Forrester, I think. I could be speaking out of term. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> But we kind of throwing around some ideas of like what Aaron could do in season two. And so I did kind of have a good idea of the arc. I, I knew what the arc was. And we this this time we actually had all the episodes kind of before we started filming, which was nice because it was just very season one. It was a little bit like everything was changing all the time. I didn't really know what my arc was until a week before we started filming. But this season, we I knew what I was doing going into it. And so it wasn't not, there was no surprises and the people the People were, the writers were open to some of my suggestions or, you know, like little tiny things like, oh, what if Aaron said it like this? And they were like, oh, that's great. Yay. You know, so it felt very like the season felt more uh, collaborative just within like within the whole cast and how we and being able to improvise a little bit more and just kind of, you know, we, everyone was more settled in their characters, too. So I think season two, we kind of found our footing more. It's a really fun show. It's like a great cast. Amazing cast. Yeah. I mean, so like light, such a lighthearted, just like fun. Have you seen watch. season two? I've seen season one. Okay. Yeah. Season two. I also just feel like TV is so, I don't know, lately things have just been so Wait, dark. isn't season two not out yet? Season, no, no, no. I just, I wasn't sure if oh, as oh, press if they sent it to right. you early type of a thing. I'm sure you can get that up. I know. And right <laughs> after this conversation. <laughs> but it comes up February 18th on Netflix. But I feel like there's just been so many dark <laughs> TV shows and honestly, I love that you're saying this. I, I had like this maybe conversation we need the other a little day. Bit of mindless laughing. I was like, "What? I don't know." Okay, <laughs> name off the top of your head, like in the past year, top three TV shows that you've watched. Jeez, did I even watch three? Only Murders in the Building. I really loved. Loved, actually. Okay, that was, but that was still the a little undoing dark. Undoing, dark as fuck. So I so dark. I had like a pan. I mean, my my household. We watched that. All nine episodes in one night. We were up yep. till four in the morning. And I had a full-blown panic attack because I was like, oh my God, I'm totally being cheated on. You know? You guys have not seen it. Like, turn but, it on right now. so dark. But this is what I'm saying. Like, Yellow God. Jackets, The Undoing. Even Sex in the City is dark at this yeah, point. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't really get it. Couldn't really sink my teeth into the new season. The but, new version, whatever it is. I want something. And Only Murders, it was, it was such a great cast though. I'm and they're doing think, season two. I'm so glad. I'm so excited. I, um, I oh, loved it. Oh, you know what it. was great? 
and this again, this is lighthearted TV that, but also still very grounded and nuanced. Uh, Sex Lives of College Girls I is fantastic. Why is no one talking about Sex Lives of College Girls? Sex Lives of College Girls. Maybe our society's internalized misogyny. I don't know, but <laughs> yes, it, was it was freaking great. The sex, so it was so good. good. I and binged I, it in like two days. I was like, wait. All of the girls, not only they're they're such great actresses and actors, whatever, and they're they're all so they're so good, and the writing is so good, and it's yeah. so grounded, but it's so funny, and it feels so real. I'm like, oh, yeah. I know these girls. Like, yep. I know these girls. I feel like connected to each one of them. I'm root. I'm rooting for all of them, which is huge. There's like no one I True. dislike. I'm actually rooting for all of the girls. Yep. It's such a good show. Bravo to Mindy Kaling. She, she always. She never misses. She's no. always good. I remember. I didn't, I don't think I realized that the last episode I was watching was the season finale, and I remember like grabbing my sofa, being like, "Wait, so what?" Weird. I was like, "No, no, 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 Oh my god! I hope, I hope it got so. <laughs> <laughs> If it doesn't, oh, I think it did. I also love that Pauline Chal- Chalamet's in it. I was like, oh my god, wait, what? She's great. She's, She's great. great. It was so funny. I was watching and I was like, why does this person look painfully familiar? Like, yeah. really familiar. And then I was like, oh my god, I can't unsee it now. Yeah, she they was great. Are twins? Oh, no, brother, I, I, twins. No, to me, they look really similar, but they're 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 so different to, too. You know, I mean, yeah, she's, she's her own thing. She and he's just his own seems thing. so cool. But they're both. But I mean, she's so great in the show. And yet, that, we share the same stylist too. So, oh, cool! I've only heard the best things about her. I, I mean, if you're listening, <laughs> you should hang out. I, you seem awesome. I'm so excited for season two. Very I'm, excited. I hope it's coming out. I'm like about to Google it and see. But um, I hope they're filming it. I'm like, oh, and Succession. I love Succession. It there's is, a, there's a. I know Christiana, my producer over there, just like gasped. We're a big Succession. It's, I think it's one it. of the best TV shows ever made. It is. It is it's so good. My friend Emma sent me this thing on Instagram and it was just the succession, like, you know, the the TV show photo where it's like the two lines of Logan and... and Oh, um, and how it was like they were basically telling us from the beginning. Kendall. Yeah, and it was yeah. like they told us all along and I was like... Yeah, they did tell us all along. I they told us all along. <laughs> believe I missed... But also, I had been saying since day one, I kept telling my roommate, who's also named Olivia, I kept telling her, I was like, dude, I think... Tom's that, in a fight. Not Tom. <laughs> I said that cousin Greg is up to no good. No good. No one is that stupid. I'm sorry. No one is that stupid and gets that far. Yeah. He's 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 too he's smart. He's not an idiot. That's all I was saying. I was like, he is not as stupid as as, as he lets himself off to be. I also or think that that's like he just keeps getting lucky. I don't think he's. I, I just think that from day one, I was like, this guy is gonna is not to be ignored. I remember my character teacher at Stella Adler, Miss Betsy. I can't remember her last name right now. Betsy, she's amazing. She has the same energy as Betty White, honestly. Wow. Betsy, Betty. And she, one of my tasks was to be, we were doing, what is, dumb as a doorknob. I was doing dumb as a doorknob. And she looked at me and she said, but you're not dumb. It takes a very smart person to play dumb. And I was like, Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because I was always typecast as like the pretty idiot, even at even at, at NYU when we did scene study, which is a big reason why I was like, I don't know if I want to keep being in this program because I, why can't I do Chekhov? Why am I always doing the like pretty moron? I mean, fine. It's it's not easy to, to play and they're, they're very nuanced and you actually have to work really hard to give them layers and character and stuff. But I, you know, whatever, all of that aside, but she's saying that to me was such a validating experience because I was like, you're right. I'm yeah. not an idiot. And and I, you do have to be smart to kind of like play dumb. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like Cousin Greg. I'm like, that man is... He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I think he knows what he's doing. I definitely think Maybe I'm just projecting onto Cousin Greg. <laughs> I like talked about this time and time again, just the two of them like getting they're ready. They're my to, favorite duo. They're the best duo. Lots of young, fun Hollywood names that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, you were, God, the pressure, but also so amazing. You were on the cover of Harper's Bazaar and oh, yeah. it said Hollywood's new darling. And I, I was, I was like, like, thanks, guys. I literally I'll was take like, it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was like, you know what? Love that for her. <laughs> I also think, though, that there's a there's just been a it's I, maybe it's my age and just like seeing so many incredible actors and actresses come up and just like this nice shift of talent in the industry that I'm really genuinely excited to get to know and meet and feel more connected to than I have in the past. But that title aside, giving you like the shepherd of the next gen, I would just love to hear what you're excited about for in this industry right now, just being such an integral part of it. I it's I think I'm just excited to like I said, I'm just a curious person. I'm just excited to explore more. I, I really think that I've barely scratched the surface of what I'm interested in, what I want to do, where, who, the things I want to, the people I want to play, the stories I want to tell, also what I'm capable of as an actor. You know, I'm, I'm just excited to explore. I'm excited to play and there's, of course, there's like, there's people I want to work with and there's stories I want to, very specific stories and, and, and people I want to play and all that Go stuff. Go on, tell us more. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, put, I put this out all the time, but I'm going to like keep putting it out there in case, because you never know. They say you have to put it out there for it to come back around. But I agree. God, I want to play Joni Mitchell so bad. <laughs> or, you know, just someone in that one of those female songwriters that definitely like helped shaped the way I see the world and my taste that. and all that stuff. But I mean, that's just like, that's, you know, I have like a Pinterest board of, of, of like people and, and, and I want to play or directors I want to work with and movies that influenced me or inspired me or made me want to like do this thing. So it's just a lot of, you know, waiting, waiting. It's a lot of waiting, but like active, not passively waiting, but like proactively waiting, if that makes sense. Yeah, manifesting. Not even manifesting, but it's like, oh, there's a story I want to tell. So like, write it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't like wait for everyone else to do things for you. You, you have to kind of create and invent opportunity for yourself, especially. And I think that's like something I'm trying to be more proactive about this year. <laughs> I love that. I'm excited about, if that makes sense. And there's certain, you know, people in this industry and they're doing things that are so inspiring and makes you feel like I can totally do it too. Like, you know, one of my friends, she's writing a script with one of her like college friends and, and then another friend is like starting doing set design. I don't know. I just, the and, and they're all, a lot of like the women in my life are really inspiring too. And seeing them do things, I'm like, I can totally do it too. And that's really what it's about too. Like it goes back to what I was saying about Octavia of just you know, setting an example and like looking out for other people, other women and like going for it and cr inventing and creating your own opportunity and in and including others in it, you know? Yeah. Like that's, that's, I'm really excited to like do, do more of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love to hear that. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on today. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Congrats on your so first podcast. Thank there we you. go. I know. I actually listen to a lot of podcasts, so this is great. Now I feel like I'm on the inner circle. You are. You're In on the, the inside. Inner circle. Yeah, on the inside. There we go. I love it.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.